This is the Shit You Need to Know podcast. I'm your host, Martha Riley. Have you ever been to a party and someone asked you a question that you didn't know the answer to? Yeah, me too. It fucking sucks. But that's where I come in. I'm asking the questions so you'll have the answers. Now sit back, relax, because there's shit we need to know. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Shit You Need to Know podcast. Uh, First of all, I want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, This little thing has only been out for like two weeks, but almost a thousand of you have listened and downloaded to the first three episodes. So that's fucking wild. Uh, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Seriously, it's amazing. But let's get started. So the question of the week is, I want to ask, what's the last good movie you saw? Because I know the Oscars just happened and like Green Book was a thing. uh, But is there a better movie I should be watching? Let me know. In this week's episode, I chat with my friend DJ. He is a real estate agent in Milwaukee, um, and we go over the general house buying stuff, but he also has some pretty insightful answers about what it means to be a millennial. So enjoy. My name's DJ, and I work as a real estate agent, a residential real estate agent in Milwaukee. I've been doing that for about a year and a half. I'm 26, so definitely one of the few younger people in the real estate uh, real estate field. But Martha and I met working in Minneapolis, and I've been living here for about two years. How did you get into real estate? In Wisconsin, you can take the real estate test and course on your own. So while I was in between jobs, I was you know, studying for the course on my own with this book and taking practice tests. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to follow through actually getting my license and working in real estate, but I knew a couple of people just because I'm from Milwaukee that are in the business and met with them kind of just like normal job interviews and ended up finding a group that I really liked and started working for them. And here I am a year and a half later. What are the top five things you need to know when buying a house? Okay. Yeah. So I think one of the big things is you need to know, you know, all the components that go into a house, all the mechanicals, things like that. And what I mean by those are there is a furnace in your house, air conditioner, water heater, you know, appliances. You really want to familiarize yourself with how long those things last, Um, you know, good, reputable brands, you want to know, you know, what they actually do. And, and this can all be done with books, you know, just Google searches or even out looking at houses. You'll hear a lot when you start looking about new hot water heater, new furnace, new garbage disposal. Well, what's actually expensive? You know, what's difficult to replace? You want to know those things. What's actually a value to you? I think another one is what you need to know is you need to know your non-negotiable items. So you need to know what you're looking for and not just necessarily, you know, something aesthetic, but what are really the items that you are going to need? So are you going to need two bedrooms? Are you going to need two parking spaces? Things that, you know, you're going to have to have no matter what. Um, I think also you're going to want to know, you're going to want to have a good idea of your finances just to know what type of monthly payment you can afford. And you want to be able to know that you can, 
you know, fund anything in case there's any broken items because there can be some really expensive fixes with home ownership. The fourth thing being I you want to know the general area that you want to be in. You know, I do meet with clients that are moving from out of town or just really have no idea where they want to be. I think you can familiarize yourself on your own um, just by driving through different neighborhoods, you know, maybe taking a walk one day in a certain neighborhood you're thinking of moving to, doing some research on the schools. Um, That's really going to help you if those are important to you and, you know, what you're looking for in a neighborhood. And then I think the fifth one, what you need to know is it's really valuable for you to look at houses with a real estate agent when you get serious. Um, I do meet a lot of people through open houses that haven't met with an agent yet, which is great. You know, they get to look at houses and that's perfect to do in the beginning. But once you get serious about actually wanting to move forward, um, it's really in your best interest to have a real estate agent on your side and looking out at the market for you. Okay, so what are your tips for finding a real estate agent that you like? Should you maybe go through a couple or is that like bad practice to just skip around and like date other real estate agents essentially? Yeah, so that's a good question. It's not bad practice to meet with a couple. We certainly have with my group, we'll meet with buyers and they'll be interviewing a couple agents to see, you know, who do they connect best with. Home buying can be a really emotional process. So you do want to have someone that you trust, that you feel is being honest, um, that really knows the area that you want to buy in. And I think that's kind of, on my group, one of our biggest strengths, you know, we really focus on one area and people know that when they come to us, you know, there's certain neighborhoods that we know the best uh, in Milwaukee, certain suburbs. And so you can definitely sit down with them. You know, all agents are willing to sit down with prospective buyers and talk about their process and what they bring to the table. But then, you know, moving forward, you really do want to make that decision um, before you start looking at houses with an agent. Um, So then you do make that decision and then to switch after you start looking at houses is a little bit, doesn't happen very often and kind of might leave a bad taste in the agent's mouth. But that's really only in cases where something really isn't going right and you want to communicate that before it gets to firing your agent or going to find a new one. What are some of your tips for first-time home buyers? Because a lot of millennials like myself, we're maybe not ready to buy a house just yet, or we are, but we have no idea where to start. Yeah, so I think the biggest and most helpful thing that you could do if you don't know where to start and you know eventually you do want to buy a house is to actually meet with a mortgage lender. Um, You know, some people might think you only meet with a mortgage lender right when you're ready to buy a house, but actually it can be really helpful to meet with one beforehand or meet with a couple. It's the same thing with agents. You know, you can interview a couple, you know, see what their fees are like, you know, see who you connect with, but they can really outline a plan and take a look at all your finances, you know, and with people our age, student loans are a big issue and your credit score, you know, and you guys can really come up with a plan to make sure that you can buy a house, even if it's in, you know, three to five years. I've definitely spoken with lenders about that, you know, and if they like to meet with people that early on, and they absolutely do, um, you know, the more information, the better. I just think that's a good way to start preparing yourself. You know, how much do I need to save? Um, What should I not be doing before um, I'm getting ready to buy a house? 
what should I continue doing? Uh, just really clears up what path you should be taking. What is the traditional path to buying a house? So you, it's not just easy as looking at a house and then like putting down your down payment. What sort of the path you take to becoming like a prospective buyer to an owner? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll go kind of from like, so you write an offer and there could be negotiations involved. There could be other offers, but if it gets accepted by the seller moving forward, the first thing you would do is you'd have a home inspection on the property and that would be by a separate independent inspector um, that you would be paying, you know, I'm not sure if other states are different, but here where I work, it's usually around 300 to $400 for a home inspection. And they last, you know, three to four hours, sometimes even more, really going over everything to make sure it's all good. Um, if there are any defects or anything that needs to be fixed on the property, then that opens the gate to more negotiations between the buyer and seller. You know, is the seller going to fix, you know, uh, something that's broken on the furnace before I move in, or is the seller going to provide a credit for one part of the roof that may need to be repaired or replaced? Um, that's kind of where it goes back and forth again between buyer and seller with what might be wrong with the property. And then once you get past that and come to an agreement, and this is all, you know, talking in a positive way in case, you know, Something could go wrong and it could fall apart. But moving forward, really the next steps would be making sure that your loan gets finalized. And a big part of that is sending out an appraiser, which your bank would do, and make sure that the home is worth what you're purchasing it for, which is kind of a good protection for a lot of home buyers. You know, it's standard for us on my group to recommend making the offer contingent on an appraisal. If it doesn't appraise at that value, then you could, you know, try and get out of the deal. Um, but any loan will send out an appraiser to make sure it's worth, you know, what they're lending you. And then, you know, working behind the scenes up until that close date, which for us is usually 45 to 60 days from an accepted offer, just making sure there's a title company involved, making sure that, you know, there's no liens on the property. So, you know, any unpaid work. Um, that needs to be taken care of, you know, is the deed clear? Um, are the sellers actually able to transfer the deed to you? You know, they make sure that everything is good with the city and the municipality, city or municipality that it's in, um, as well as the county and state and just recording that when you do close. Um, and once it's all finalized, you know, your past home inspection, appraisal, title comes back clear, then very simplified, but then you would move towards closing. So there are a lot of pieces to it. It's not just writing an offer. There are a couple complexities to it, but that's just a really simplified version. It all depends on, you know, the property and what type of offer you're writing, everything like that. And what's involved in closing a house? Like, I don't, how yeah. do you, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> What do you, yeah. So yeah, someone actually, I just was working with first time buyers that closed last week and they were like, okay, is there a dramatic moment where we get handed the keys or anything like that? And like a lot of what's in this business, it really just depends as a buyer, the sellers may be there. They may not be. You're in a room, you're with a title company. So the title company is basically recording the deed, 
um, and they have a lot of paperwork for you to fill out. And also your lender will be there to make sure that you're signing all of your loan documents, you're have already set up a wire if you're going to be wiring money for a down payment. The keys will be there for when everything is signed. And then you'll talk with the title company and lenders about, you know, what you're going to get in the mail. You're going to get all your documents that you'd signed, you know, and all those documents vary, again, based on where the property is. Pretty much they're just finalizing your loan, which you've already read over all of the terms. And, you know, you sign the papers and you get the keys and move in. So it's usually only between 30 minutes and an hour. Um, And the majority of that is just signing different paperwork. So when you are trying to get a loan for your house, I know it probably varies in between like how much the cost, like cost of the house versus how much you have. But what's like a good rule of thumb? Like how much money do you actually need in a loan? Obviously not everybody will need a loan to purchase their house. Um, You know, there are buyers out there that will pay outright cash for a property. Um, And that for a seller looks really good. The sellers really like that because they don't have to worry about if you're really going to be able to get financing. Because when you write an offer on a house, um, what we do is we always send the pre-approval letter, which is a letter from whichever lender you're going to be working with saying that you can afford you know, a property worth X amount. Um, And so that's sent in and it's not, you know, it's not a loan commitment letter. It just is proof saying that you're in good financial standing and you should be able to get this loan, but it's not guaranteeing it. You know, things can change from when an offer is accepted to when you close with your finances, you know, with your job, with anything like that. Um, So there's no guarantee that they will be able to follow through on financing. But, you know, with a cash offer, they don't have to worry about any of that because you're providing proof of funds. So you have the funds to purchase the house outright. It's much, much more common to have a loan. Pretty rare, honestly, to come by a cash buyer, although we do have cases like those. Any home buyer, typically like a millennial home buyer, um, unless you're really fortunate, you know, unless you're (laughs) sitting on a mountain of cash, will need to use a loan, a mortgage in order to do that. And you pay it, you know, in an equal monthly installment each month, just very similar to rent. Um, And even when you close, you do get an outline of all of the payments that you'll be making until, well, right now we're 2019. So if it's 30 years up until 2049, so (laughs) that's good to see for 30 years. But, you know, it doesn't change. It stays the same um, unless, you know, you refinance or anything like that. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty similar to any other loan, really. What most home buyers are using is what's called the conventional 30-year loan. There are different programs like, you know, government or the Federal Housing Administration. You can get FHA loans. Um, if you're a veteran, there's VA loans. There's different types of loans. The most common that you'll run by with residential purchases is conventional 30-year loans. And when you sell a property, then any remaining balance on your mortgage will need to be paid 
before any of that money goes towards your proceeds. So a lot of times at closing, you know, you'll see a sheet and it'll show how much the seller has left on their mortgage to pay off, um, you know, and what really they're netting from the sale, how much money they're actually getting deposited into their bank account from the sale of their home. How much would you recommend someone to have a down payment for a house? Like what is a rule of thumb number? I mean, it obviously depends, but like what do you see most commonly? Yeah, it totally depends. Um, You know, it's pretty common to know that you should have 20% down. Um, And I would probably still say that's a good rule of thumb for conventional loans. You can pay less. There are ways that you can. It could just be a higher monthly payment, higher interest rate. There's different fees involved with doing different types of loan programs, but I would still say a good goal would be 20%. But again, I would you know, speak with a lender beforehand to determine what would be the right amount for you um, if you do qualify for any other program or if you know your goals your real estate goals are different and maybe you're putting down 5% um, and making a larger payment. It just all depends on your situation. But 20% is a good rule of thumb, I think. What's like the weirdest (laughs) thing you've seen in a house when someone's trying to sell it? Like what's like, what secrets do they have in their closet? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Um, Well, I definitely had happened more than once an animal jumping out at me from a closet, opening a closet door. So that, you know, pretty startling. What kind of animals? (laughs) I, two cats, it's happened to me before. Also a dog. You know, usually people have their animal in a crate or they take them for a walk when you're showing a house, but sometimes they just leave them there and, you know, it's a free for all. So um, that would be advice to listeners. Make sure to lock up your animals. <laughs> if you're selling your house, <laughs> I would really appreciate if um, you told me ahead of time if there were animals. <laughs> what looked kind of like chains attached to the wall. Um, you know, not was not sure what those were for. And I remember some buyers asking me what that on the wall was for and I could not answer I had no idea I did not I ropes attached to a wall in the living room you know I don't know I'm not gonna say what I thought it was but (laughs) I think we can all guess she was a Pilates instructor so very innocent but (laughs) that's what she wanted you to think (laughs) yeah who knows but the house sold not my clients didn't buy it but it did sell What age do you think millennials should move out of their parents' house? (laughs) I did live at home for a stint two years ago when I was 24. I don't think there's a set age that, you know, someone should be moved out of their parents' house. But I think once you kind of have figured out what career path you would like to pursue, at least for, you know, a couple years, I think that a lot of us know people our age that, didn't know what they wanted to do, myself included, you know, end up changing jobs pretty shortly after graduating college already to their second job or even third job a little bit later. Um, So I think you should just have kind of a clear path on steady income, what you want to do, 
most importantly, be able to afford it. But I think the most important part is kind of figuring out, you know, where you fit in the working world after college. You should know kind of your where you're going in the next couple of years. And I think that's a big reason why people our age really aren't thinking about home, home ownership in the near future. It's just because, you know, we haven't figured it all out or, you know, maybe we're not going to be in a certain city for our whole lives. And I think people our age are a little wary of commitment and kind of home ownership is a huge commitment. I don't know if you think that as, you know, you talk and help millennials out with. Do you, have you seen people that aren't mature enough to buy a house, but they do it anyways? Do you tend to like try to avoid that or like you just let them make their decision because you don't want to get involved? Um, I definitely discuss, you know, especially when looking at houses, you know, try to point out as much as I can about, you know, like here's where your water shutoff is, you know, all of your mechanicals are here. The manuals are right here. We have a list of vendors that we work with if they ever need help with anything in their house that they're not sure of. You know, I do get a lot of questions with first-time buyers like, you know, what's that on the exterior or interior? Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? And I think that's kind of on them to figure out themselves if they're looking at houses and we're talking, you know, about all of these parts of a home that they do not know how to maintain or just are not familiar with, then it's kind of a wake-up call for them. But I think when people get to the point of actually going out with an agent and looking at houses, they're pretty confident that they'll be able to own a home. You know, then they're really taking it seriously. And I think they talk to people that they know that own a house, you know, whether it's their parents, siblings, friends, um, any other family members. I think everybody has something to say about what you need to be looking for and what you need to be ready for. So I think there's a lot of people involved, not just an agent that kind of gets them ready for what it all entails. Do you find that being a real estate agent helps in your dating life? Yeah, I think so. I think that you definitely need to be confident to be a real estate agent. And I know at first starting out, I was really, you know, I wasn't sure what people are going to ask me. I wasn't sure what certain things were. I just wasn't fully confident in my ability to help someone buy a house. And now I'm definitely there. Um, and I think all agents have more to learn. It's pretty, you have to be comfortable in front of anybody and spending time with pretty much anybody. So I think that definitely helps out with, you know, getting yourself out there, which I think is the biggest part of being successful in the dating world. What are your deal breakers for houses or any red flags that you've seen or have heard about? As we all know, you know, days on market is definitely something that I look for. Um, if something has been on the market for over a year, uh, you know, why is that? What's going on? Is there something wrong with the house? Is there something that you don't know about the house until you get there? Like I had a house for sale that was very close to the freeway and it took a while to sell because it just wasn't something that 
you would know unless you went there and actually physically heard the noise right outside the property. Um, you know, it wasn't something I was going to write in the description to scare off people for the property, but there are just some things that you're not sure of until you get out there. And so days on market and also price, um, a red flag to me is if there's an unrealistic price on a property and it doesn't show any signs of changing if it hasn't dropped at all since it's been on the market it may be difficult to work with sellers who have an unrealistic expectation of the price of their property um, and nobody wants to overpay for a house and nobody wants to have a house that they're going to have to sell for less than what they bought it for so those are kind of two big things that i look for and then also just if any work has been done who did the work? Does it look okay? Does it look sturdy? You know, there's a lot of contractors that will do work, um, you know, for a really good price, but is it going to last? Is it going to look good in your house in five years? Um, you know, if you need to sell your house in five years, will it help or hurt your property's value is kind of what I look for as red flags. Um, what if the house is like really ugly? Is that a red flag or is that just something that most people can look past? It depends. And I think taste is really subjective. So when I look at houses, I really do not try to show any opinion that I have on what something looks like, you know, the color of something or the style of house, unless those buyers comment on it. I definitely have seen some houses that I you know, I maybe wouldn't have made some of the choices that they've made inside or outside. Um, but my buyers might like that. So I really kind of take a back seat when showing houses and really point out kind of the important features of a house that they may have missed and let them decide if it's going to aesthetically be for them or not. And if something is really tripping them up, um, that's easily fixed, then I think it's my job to point that out and say, you know, you can easily fix that by doing this. You know, it's just a carpet color in the bedroom. Really, how much is it going to be to rip that out and have it replaced with something else? Just kind of bringing in some advice along the way if things are tripping them up that I don't think should be. And what about if you have pets in your house? So if you have pets and you're trying to sell, um, what's something that you should know, like try to clean up the house or don't get a pet? Like, have you seen pets sort of ruin the value of a house? Well, I would say have a good vacuum cleaner. <laughs> um, pet hair can definitely be a turnoff to some buyers, especially if there's a lot of it. You will run into people that have pet allergies. Actually, today I was at an open house that has a dog and a woman came in that's allergic to dogs not severely, but, you know, she definitely was sneezing and everything like that. And I think people in those situations are used to going into houses that, you know, maybe their friend has a pet or a family member. So I would just say really try to, you know, have your house really clean, vacuum a lot, maybe have the carpets cleaned. An agent would probably, if there's an odor or anything like that, would probably ask for the carpets to be cleaned before selling it as just some advice. But overall, I don't think it's a deal breaker. 
because a lot of people, a lot of people have pets and a lot of millennials have dogs now. So I'm not one of them, but maybe I will be someday. <laughs> when and why should you start working with an agent when you're getting serious to buy a house rather than just trying to DIY it and do it all yourself? One of the biggest advantages, especially when looking for houses, is that agents, we network a lot. So we talk with a lot of other agents to know about what houses are coming up on the market, you know, weeks, if not months before they go on the market. So really just being prepared for any house that could pop up. Because especially in our market, what we're seeing right now is kind of the two hundred dollars to $400,000 range has been very busy, especially in the spring. It's not uncommon to have multiple offers on a property the first day it goes on the market. So you really want to be prepared, you know, before something goes on the market so the perfect house doesn't pass you by. And the next thing is, so I am unsure as to how it works in other states, but I do believe that most of them have something similar where we have what's called a buyer agency agreement. So if, if you meet someone at an open house, they are legally obligated to represent the seller. Um, so, you know, they have to say the price is good. You know, they only have to tell you any major defects with the property and give you honest information. But as a buyer's agent, you know, you can really give your opinion of value to buyers. You know, this house is overpriced or this house is underpriced and I think it'll go quickly. Or, you know, this is a really good location. There's probably going to be multiple offers. You just really want somebody in your corner as you're looking for, as you're looking for the next house because listing agents are concerned about getting the house sold for the most amount of money for their clients. So you should have somebody that's working on your side to get you a fair deal for everybody. And what should you look for when you're choosing a real estate agent? When you're looking for real estate agents, you want somebody that's honest. I think that you should find somebody that um, has a track record in your area you know, anybody, any agent should be able to supply you with a list or some information on what houses they have sold, you know, recently in the last 12 months, two years, anything like that. So just looking at, okay, what houses are they selling? Where are they selling? And you can ask agents to connect you with some of their past clients and speak with them about any of your concerns. I think that's more valuable than reading a testimonial on a website. I think, you know, talking with somebody who actually has gone through the process with that person is really going to be your best source of information. So it's not uncommon for us to give the information of some of our past clients so they can discuss it over with them. And when you're getting ready to sell a house, is there anything that a real estate agent would need to know or that you need to bring to them? Or do you just kind of take care of all the work? Like, okay, we need your bank statements or we need this and that from you or should they bring it to you first? What I do as an agent and what the other agents on my team do as far as going out to look at a property, what we're most concerned with is, you know, what are their needs? What's their timeline? And we talk about the home's value and what we do to sell their house. I personally, as an agent, um, am not involved in getting all of that paperwork prepared 
um, you know, and taking a look at their mortgage and everything like that, that is typically done by administrative staff for any real estate team. Um, you know, every team works differently, but that's how our team works. We have a full-time operations department. Um, and what they do is they work with our clients to make sure that we have all the necessary paperwork uh, and that we're on track and on time for either going on the market or closing or getting an accepted offer. They really are on top of all of that so that we can be the experts on the overall market trends, pricing, different houses that are coming on the market and selling. That's what we pay most attention to. Real estate transactions are, you're working with a team of specialists. So you're working with your mortgage specialist. You're working with your title specialist with the title company. As an agent, you're then working with what should be your market expert um, and should help you along the way um, throughout the, should be able to give you an overview of the process and really help you find the house you like um, and listen to you and find a house that fits your needs. So that's really the primary goal of my job. So when you are ready to buy a house and you are ready to uh, write an offer, how do you know which price do you price it at? So what I would do if, you know, we look at a house maybe once or twice and a buyer's ready to write an offer, what I would do is I would run a market analysis. So I would look at likely the last six months, potentially up to the last 12 months of anything that's sold that's comparable. So we usually like to keep home styles similar, bedroom, bathroom count similar, square footage similar. It can be difficult with unique houses, but a good rule of thumb that we use is to price houses by the price per square foot. So I'll look at, I'll try to find some comparable houses that have sold. I'll look at the overall price and then I'll also look at price per square foot uh, and kind of compare all of those with the house that we're looking at and run through everything with the buyers. So what I'll do is I'll say, okay, so either I think it's priced where it should be, it's priced too high, it's underpriced a little bit. I kind of just give them all the information they need. I ask for what they're thinking and then I give my recommendation based on how it compares to the others. So you know, it really is an effort between both of us in that they're ultimately making the decision. I can give recommendations, but it really is up to the buyer on what they'd like to offer. It's just my job to give them all the information that they need to make an informed decision. Have you ever been involved in like bidding wars? Yes. So I have been involved with, on both sides, with receiving multiple offers on a property that's for sale or helping a buyer in a multiple offer situation. And the important thing that I tell buyers during those multiple offer situations is, you know, we discuss what a house is worth. They write at the best offer that they can, um, that they're willing to write at, you know, so if you say, okay, I really like this house, but I don't want to pay more than 200000 That's going to be my best offer going in. 
I let buyers know that we can't control what the other offers are. You don't know the situation of any of the other buyers. Could be someone that's willing to overpay or there could be a cash buyer or there could be, there's a lot of other situations. So I just say this is the best that we can do right now, given your situation. So we'll deliver it and see how it goes you know, so it can be tricky to manage emotions in those situations, but really it just comes down to you're writing your best offer and it might work, it might not, but if it doesn't, then there will be another house that comes on the market that'll meet your needs. Thank you so much to DJ for being on the show and putting up with my weird questions Definitely appreciate it. If you would like to get in touch with DJ and if you live in the Milwaukee area, his information will be in the show notes. And hopefully you have a great smooth experience buying your first house. We are actually all done with the real estate portion of the episode, but if you stay tuned for just a second, you will hear me ask DJ some weird, awkward pickup lines that I thought would be funny to include on the show. I was laughing. Uh, Maybe you will too. So stay tuned if you want to hear that. Otherwise, now is a great time to tune out. Would you ever say to someone and exploit your real estate agent position and say, I would like to pay with cash up front and take our relationship further and faster? (laughs) I don't know if those words would ever come out of my mouth in all seriousness, but... Hey, you never know. What about love is buying your first home together? (laughs) You know, I really could see an agent saying that. Maybe not me, but I definitely could see more of an old school agent saying something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. Okay, one more. You must have had many tenants because you have no trouble attracting me. (laughs) Now, if someone said that to you, Martha, would you take that as a pickup line or a massive insult? (laughs) I think a massive insult. (laughs) (laughs) You never know, though. It depends on the time of day and the week, I think, but... We'll get yeah, it. like what's your what's your mood? Like are you willing to take a dirty joke or not? Thanks for listening to the Shit You Need to Know podcast. I've set up a phone number in case you have a question you need answering or just want to talk. Feel free to give me a ring at 301-941-7448. That's 301-941-shit. Also, don't give me a ring. No one does that. You can text the number two. I don't know why I said ring. If you enjoyed this episode of the Shit You Need to Know podcast, feel free to subscribe on iTunes and rate it five stars.